0: from the hip. Small doses. We're talking that shit. Small doses. And keeping it real. Small doses. With me and Amanda Seals. <laughs> so funky. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> this is my new voice. Welcome to another edition of Small Doses. I'm Amanda Seals. I'm back up in this building with some freshly shaven vocal cords. <laughs> and um thank you all for holding it down while I was in my recuperation. It was a journey and I felt like it was important that I talk to you all about it today because it was a first. And I think especially like being 39 and and still having firsts, like I really really try to like take stock about every phase of them and What's the word I'm even looking for? I don't know. I just be trying to really live it, like really in it, you know, in a real way and not let it just pass over me or pass by me. So shout out to everybody out there who's ever had surgery. This was my first time having like surgery, surgery where, you know, I'm put under with like real things like propofol, which is what, what killed, killed Michael, Michael Jackson. Jackson, you know, and I'm, putting my body under the knife or in this case, the laser and really being in like serious possibility of waking up differently than I went to sleep. So it was a first for me because I've never, I've never had that type of situation. I've had like my, I've had like my wisdom teeth out, you know, and I've had an endoscopy, but nothing invasive like this. So Today's episode is um still a mini because I'm still in recuperation and I can't talk as long as I usually do but still felt like I wanted to talk to y'all about my experience. So first and foremost, let me just say just because people love you doesn't mean they're good caregivers. So Ideally, we think that like our boyfriends or our family, like that they're the people who should take care of us after a surgery because, you know, they're closest to us and they're the people that love us and know us the best. And that is not always the case, you know. I think people have the best of intentions, but being a caregiver is really like not necessarily something that everybody's good at, which is why they have like full ass professions of people who are caregivers. I mean, you can even get a hospitality degree, which is a certain level of caregiving. But at the end of the day, not everybody knows how to like care for you when you're just not you. And, you know, the people that I had helping me and in my corner, they, mmm. They really, they came with the best of intentions. They was really stepping in and trying to, you know, trying, but it just ain't they bag. I think it just ain't they bag. And so, you know, I had a really frustrating first two days after the surgery because I felt like, again, and I've said this before, I felt like I had to just save myself, even though there were people around. And I fucking, I'm so tired of it. I am so tired of having to be on point at all goddamn times. And this was one of those situations where it was like, you know, because I wasn't like wailing in pain and I wasn't, I feel like because I wasn't like groggy and knocked out, like, you know, folks think, oh, she good. Like, she's straight. You don't got to think about anything. You don't got to worry about anything, but you're still just mentally not yourself, you know, and you're kind of off and, you know, and on a basic note, like you just want to not have to think. It's just like, you just want to have to not have to, I don't want to make my own goddamn smoothie the day I had surgery. Y'all know I had to make my own smoothie the day I had surgery. So like I learned that next time, hopefully there won't be one, but the way things work probably will be. Next time I have surgery, I'm going to go through a vetting process. (laughs) I'm gonna go through a vetting process. Like, who wanna help? And tell me why you want to. And like, I, I'm a pay folks, because I just can't. I, I can't. can't. Like, I can't deal with people not following the post op instructions to the fucking T. And then me finding out that we haven't followed it. And then me in my high strungness panicking. Ooh, child, y'all. Mm, 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 mm. Nonetheless, I am here. I am good. And a lesson was learned and a lesson was learned. And I also think that men, you know, sometimes y'all, and this is a strong generalization, but I think sometimes men just kind of like freeze up in those kind of moments because they're like, why aren't you like, not you? And I love my man. I do. I've known him for 20 years and he is my college sweetheart. But that nigga definitely was like, "Mm, I don't know, like what to do. But I do believe that where this happened again, he would lock in. I think it was just the shock, the shock and awe of it all. Which brings me to my next thing, which is my friends. And I want to shout out my friends who responded when I sent out the call. So, you know, when we were talking about this episode before the show, I was talking to Brendan and Rebecca And I was saying, you know, that I I was able to like tell my friends, listen, this is what's about to happen and this is what I need from you. And Rendon was like, okay, but what if you don't know what you need, Amanda? And the thing about it, you guys, is that sometimes you don't know what you need, but when you don't know what you need and you don't communicate it you then lose the right to hold people accountable for not meeting it. And I know that you're probably like, why do I even need that right? And it's like, because as friends, like we do need to be able to hold each other accountable for things. I had a friend who literally just left me hanging with this whole thing. And we're not friends. Not right now. Maybe not anymore, because she's done it before. And I don't reach out and ask people for like, you know, I need you to hold me down. Like, I don't do that willy-nilly. So for me to... Send an email out to my friends and say, listen, like, this is what's about to happen. This is what's going down and I need your help. And very specifically say, like I'm not going to be able to talk. So for you guys who don't know, what I had was a vocal cord surgery where I had nodules lasered off my vocal cords and I could not speak for two weeks. The thing about not speaking for two weeks is that it's like you're trapped in your head. It can be very frustrating. It can be very lonely and it can be very kind of like crazy inducing because you're just in this like headspace. Now for me, I decided after getting a voice note from Melanie Fiona, where she was just like, you know, I just feel like this could be like a really, just like an enlightening, like time, you know? And I, she was just like, I just want you to embrace this silence in a meditative way versus in a like restrained way. And I took her advice and I decided to just approach it in that way. Like people go on retreats where they don't talk for two weeks. So treat it like that. But yet and still, the world is going on around us. I'm in a relationship. I'm not sleeping every day, which was really the goal that I wanted to do. So I was like, I'm gonna sleep this away. So I like I needed to communicate, and I shut out all my friends who literally made appointments through my assistant to Facetime me so that I could talk to them like they would Facetime, and then I would text this was real. And then like I had some friends who would, who are here in LA and they would physically come and hang out and we would do a puzzle together. And it actually ended up being like these really like dope little bonding moments with, with my peoples, especially in this time where we haven't really had, you know, just a lot of time for folks to kind of like have one-on-one with each other. And I was proud of myself for being willing and and knowing that I needed to say to them, I need you. Because I think a lot of times too, you don't want to say that because you don't want to burden people. You don't want to make people uncomfortable. You also don't want to be let down. You don't want to be disappointed yourself. So if you don't tell anybody you need them, then no one can let you down. And I mean, yeah, theoretically that makes sense. But in reality... You just, you you gotta be able to have expectations for people around you. And I know that there's folks that have created this mechanism of life where they just don't have expectations and that's how they move through the world without having disappointment. But I don't think that's practical. Like, I want people to expect that they can rely on me. I want people to expect that they're going to get the best of my energy. I want people to expect that I want the best for them. Like, I want people to have expectations for me that I have, that, and even if I've set those expectations myself, that they feel like they can utilize as a base and come back to. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, it's, it gives you security, And considering the insecure lack of certainty times that we're in, that reliability, that certainty, those expectations, they carry way more weight than they ever have before. So this is just a personal moment to just shout out my friends who really showed up and relieved me from having to have that disappointment by just really understanding and being in their best spaces of compassion And showing me once and for all why friendship is so important. And also showing me how, you know, I can show up for them in return. Another thing about surgery that I think a lot of people don't realize is that like it fucks with your mind and your body. And I think for me, I didn't really think it was going to be like that because I wasn't having like a big, like I didn't have open heart surgery. I didn't have a gallbladder removed, you know, one of those things. But actually, as I say that, I think maybe the reason why I did fuck with my mind is because what I was having surgery on was something that is so intensely personal to me in a way that I don't know that my appendix would be. (laughs) You know, because my voice, my voice really is my lifeblood. And to have it compromised was incredibly frightening. But even just in the space of talking about it as how it fucks with your mentals, it wasn't even the frightening part, it was just more so the having to wait. Cause I didn't know what my voice was gonna sound like when I spoke. Like I didn't know if I was gonna start talking like this. You know, like I just didn't, I don't know, I just didn't know. Or I was afraid that it wasn't going to be any better because that would suck. If I go through all that, it's not any better. So, you know, I know that for those last two weeks, I was an interesting person to deal with because, you know, if you've listened to these other episodes, you hear that I'm already kind of just up and down on this roller coaster that we're on. But to be stripped of the ability to speak and to be, you know, just unsure was, was a doozy. And again, I'm not trying to compare this to like the major surgeries that you all are having that definitely require like months of recuperation. I'm only talking about, you know, two weeks. That's, that's minor compared to a lot of the stuff that people are going through. But for me, it was, it was heavy because it's attached to something that is so much a part of my existence on this planet in this version of my life. And, you know, I had to like dig deep and watch copious amounts of Call the Midwife. And I watched all the Star Wars movies. I watched Star Trek. I mean, I sat outside on my cabana, watched my favorite shows, me and Jordy, We even slept outside one night. And I just tried to deal with those feelings, not like a champ, but more so like, again, meditatively, you know, like ask myself about them. I prayed every day. You know, I went and did like ritual outside in nature with my um, pal santo. I got real woo-woo. There was a full moon. I went out there with my crystals, talked to my ancestors I'm not going to lie to you all, I thought that I would come out of this and have some great epiphany of like, this is my next movement and whatnot. But really what's come out of it is more so just a real appreciation for being able to communicate. And also, you know, I feel like I'm more dedicated than I was before to just trying to do everything I can to not crumble in the face of everything that's going on right now which I think before I was actually very crumbly. I was quite crumbly. But let me just say, the shit, shit is, is scary, scary though. Like, I don't know that I'm really scared of a lot of things, but this was really scary. Like just, it was just scary. And I think that's an emotion that I don't necessarily express a lot. And so it was probably like weird seeing me be scared. I know my man was like, what do you mean you're scared? Because I'm never scared. You know? And like... But I just became very frail. Like... And fragile. And wanted to be babied. And, you know... Also don't underestimate the power of sleep. I was really like about that sleep life for the first three days. Just like, I'm just going to sleep. I'm just going to sleep. Yeah, I'm about to sleep. Because, you know, I think we really forget that like sleep is not about laziness. Sleep is about healing. It's letting your body just really work on its own without interruption. And for me, I know that I don't sleep as early as I should. So it was really good to just let my body like be in that space and in that zone. And you know, there's a reason why they induce comas for you to like heal from certain things. It's because when you're sleeping, you know, that body is just, it's being protected. It's preserving. It's its um, regenerating. It is a regenerative space sleep can be. So I had to really just kind of like put my fear into like my sleep and try and do that. So I was definitely taking a hefty amount of naps and going to bed early and doing my best to just like not feed in to the fear of like what could happen the last dose yeah so that was my journey of surgery I had the surgery. My doctor said I'm healing incredibly amazingly. I went vegan right before the surgery to help my body get alkaline and, you know, get the acid out of there, which has been really helpful. I started taking Manuka honey in the morning and in the evening, which I heard is really good. And I, I, I swear that that Manuka honey has been an incredibly effective part of my healing because... It's one of the things that I know is going directly to my vocal cords because it's like literally touching it. And I and so for the doctor, like when he's looking at my vocal cords, he's like, oh my God, these look amazing. Like he literally put on the screen, like under the evaluation, like amazing healing, amazing. And, you know, it was, it was, it was um the first thing I watched when I came home from surgery was this movie called The Doctor with William Hurt. And William Hurt plays a doctor who's, you know, a hotshot cardiovascular surgeon. And he's definitely like the guy and the man. And he ends up coming down with throat cancer and he has to get the lesions removed, which renders him voiceless. And in this film, he goes from, you know, being this doctor who is somewhat oblivious of what it means to be a patient to someone who, you know, is made very aware by by nature of him becoming a patient. And in that, it inspires him to do his training differently, to deal with his residents differently, and to basically just deal with his patients differently because now he understands, you know, the connectivity Of the experience um, as a patient with the experience as a as a physician. I've seen this movie several times. And I watched it again. And just seeing him like when he can't speak, (laughs) I was like, I feel you. I feel you. Like I'm the kind of person where like I'm just very, you know, I'm dramatic, you guys. I'm a performer. I'm dramatic. So it only made sense though. Watch that. But shout out to everybody out there who has had surgery or who is going to have surgery. You know, if you know somebody who is going through that, try your best to just be patient and compassionate with them because it's not like a normal thing. And I think a lot lot of times, like just because things happen in society on a regular basis, we normalize them. But at the end of the day, like someone going into your body and affecting it internally and then you waking up and having to go into the world and and just live with it like that's just not normal you know and so you know it's invasive it's it's um it can be disconcerting it's it's just like it it's feels just like you have lost full ownership of your body and you got to get it back and that doesn't necessarily happen overnight and sometimes I feel like it's less of even your body, but more of your mind. You know, I, I can definitely tell you that me talking has been very different than me when I wasn't speaking. And it's not that I was crazy and I was not that I was like flipping out and wilding out on people, but it just felt like I was, you know, just a shadow of myself. And I don't want to feel that way these are weird times. They continue to be weird times, but doesn't mean that there isn't normal shit that we can look to, but it also doesn't mean that there isn't weird shit that's happening to us within these weird times. And just remember, like, all of us are human. Remind yourself of that. I think I definitely thought for a second that I was superhuman. And then I went the exact extreme opposite and thought I was a baby. Now, I'm back to normal, and I'm excited to be able to continue doing small doses with my new vocal cords. And I start vocal training next week and getting back in the mix with that. Shout out to Craig Derry, and I just want to thank you all again for being patient. I know my voice has been hella raspy, sometimes really hard to understand. It's been very, very difficult to speak for the past eight months. It takes a lot of effort. Some mornings I would wake up and I just couldn't speak at all, and it didn't mean that the show didn't have to go on. And so, you know, this allows me to basically take on new space and time with my voice in a new way because I have a healthy set of chords to do it with. And I've been dealing with this since I was 15. So this was long overdue, long overdue. So shout out to my physician, Dr. Nasiri, who really made this whole experience very smooth and as supported as as he ever could. He's the epitome of petside Manor and his whole staff. And when he looked at my cords last week, he said, "Don't, Don't fuck, fuck my, my work up." up. <laughs> <clears throat> so, I am going to continue to not fuck his work up and continue to keep y'all thoughtful. And engaged, and we will be back with regular episodes next week, right here on small doses, with my new vocal cords. Hey, 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 hey. See, I couldn't do that. But now I just did. A podcast network.